What was it about the 90s that made movies so much better? How much of an impact did they make during that decade? And while we're at it, can we throw around some 90s slang? Join me, Jason Soto, a lover of all things 90s, as I do a deep dive into cinema from the best era ever. Rabbit Hole Podcast presents That's the Bomb, yo! 90 Hella Rad Movies from the 90s. You can find this show on Anchor, Apple, Google, anywhere you get podcasts from, or its home location at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And who knows, maybe even Alicia Silverstone will finally accept my date. Oh, Everything we do here at Rabbit Hole Podcast is sponsored by Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com backslash rabbit hole pod, you get to try it free for 30 days. Download any audiobook, original show, or podcast you want. After 30 days, you pay $14.99 a month and access thousands and thousands of audiobooks, shows, or podcasts. Cancel anytime, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded so far. So it's literally, quite literally, risk-free. Again, that is audibletrial.com backslash rabbit hole pod. Uses that link not only helps us out, but you support the show. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com backslash rabbit hole pods. For as low as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content. Again, that is patreon.com backslash rabbit hole pods. To the Word of Hellmouth podcast, where we are going through the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode by episode, re-watching and discussing everything that is Buffy in the Scoops. Today, we are breaking down episode four, season one, Teacher's Pet, an episode that I had actually completely forgot about, and I don't think I've seen somehow in eons maybe since it first aired it's one of the ones that somehow i've skipped over again and again i'm heather baxendale walsh and with me is always is my friend in slayage mark armstead how are you today mark i'm awesome heather and yourself i'm fucking magical i've had coffee <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i've had coffee. I had coffee today oh my goodness oh, are, are you a regular coffee drinker so here's my thing. Okay, I don't drink hot coffee. I find it disgusting because I'm always hot. So I like cold coffee. Not to wake up to, not like to get the perk, but I just like the taste of cold coffee. Um, I'm a Dunkin' guy. I can't stand Starbucks coffee. It tastes like it's been filtered with like cigarette butts. I, I can't <laughs> do it. <laughs> Truly, I cannot. But yes, I do enjoy coffee, uh, but I can't have it after three because then it's just like I'm jittery for the rest of the day. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. You are so my people. I, <laughs> I, I actually, I prefer my coffee room temperature. I like it cold too. Um, I, I usually, I, I, I used to have a horrible, horrible addiction to it. I still do. 
but I just manage it better now. And I have my rules too. I'm only allowed to have one cup a day if I'm going to drink it. And I usually don't drink it afternoon. I am today, but I didn't sleep well last night and I'm going to have a late night tonight. So I'm letting myself get the jitters and enjoying my delicious coffee in the afternoon, yes. no less in the afternoon. I've also mixed <laughs> it with some peppermint hot cocoa. And oh, see, uh, no, no, I don't usually do that kind of thing. I like, I'm like you, I like the taste of coffee. I like the smell of coffee and I am not a fan of Starbucks coffee either. In fact, I prefer gas station coffee over that bullshit, but Ooh, okay. yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It can put hair on my chest. I know how to shave. It's fine. <laughs> it'll, yeah, at least, so, it'll at least do its job and it's not costing me nine dollars for for a glass of it but but yeah i absolutely. i it's kind of yummy it's peppermint so it feels kind of like like a little christmasy and seasonal it's 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 pretty yummy yeah that's great little treat now <laughs> when it comes to duncan i'll give you guys my favorite duncan order it's kind of basic but it gets me through and if you just want like a good regular you know regular cup of coffee this is what i do so i call it the three two one <laughs> so it's a medium iced coffee with three pumps of caramel two liquid i don't know two creams and one liquid sugar three two one and it is like the perfect cup for me not super sweet still tastes coffee nice little hint of caramel and it's not overly sweet because the caramel is sweetened so one pump of just liquid sugar just gets to like the right level. It's just a really enjoyable coffee. So the three, two, one, three caramel, two cream, one liquid sugar. Try it out. Tell me if you love it because I do. I'm telling you anyway, but, if you put caramel in anything, <laughs> I'm I'm going to dance for you because it is delicious. <laughs> it is. It is. But I can't get with the peppermint hot cocoa. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> Mint and chocolate are great separately, but neither should the two meet. It's just, no, no. I, oh, I enjoy really? both those flavors separately, but together, it's no. It's like eating chocolate right after you brush your teeth. Who does that? Well, I Who drink coffee that? right after I brush my teeth. So maybe it, it's just that natural, that natural step for me. But I don't, I don't, the, the interesting thing is I don't really like peppermint flavor that much mm. in general. It's not something that I seek out. I, I typically only indulge in those kinds of things around December. I'll pick up the, the fun chocolates, the peppermint flavored chocolates. And I'm like, oh, these are really good. But I do, I think if I continued to carry on with them, I'd get probably burnt out just, and, and probably the same thing with the hot cocoa. I understand what you're saying about the toothpaste though. It does, it's, it's legitimate and it makes sense, but I think because it's just a seasonal thing, it doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm me in that same way. I think yeah. that's why I like it. I think that's why I'm okay with it. And I don't like overly sweet stuff for the most part. For the most part. But everyone's yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, my coffee, I may, after we finish recording, I may go get a coffee, breaking my afternoon rule, but I didn't have a coffee yesterday either. I'm slipping. What the hell, Mark? You don't get but, headaches if you drink coffee every day and then don't drink? So... I have a coffee tolerance, so I could drink a coffee every day for about two and a half, three weeks. But like once I get around that, you know, third week, it's like headache, headache, headache. Like, okay, I need to kind of slow down the caffeine. 
and then like I detox for like four days and I come oh, it's back. <laughs> horrible. It's horrible. It's 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 quicker for me. It's a it's a couple days of drinking coffee regularly. So if I if I do what I'm doing like today or I do it every once in a while, then then I'm okay with it. I usually reserve coffee for this time of year now or if I go over to my dad's place, I'll have a cup of coffee in the afternoon. That's also because his coffee is so weak. It's pretty much like drinking water anyway. I think that happens as you get older too. I think your your taste buds, your taste buds change so many years anyway. But I think as you get older, they just have to diminish entirely. I have spent a long time in my, my 20s waitressing. And I did... <laughs> I did some time at Big Boy and Denny's, if you you are familiar with either of those establishments. But uh. Big Boy in particular, it was about 11 a.m. And I called it pill o'clock because everyone that was in there was clearly senior citizens and they all would take out their, their pills and they would all take them at the same time. But it was this, <laughs> seriously, you could look out and you would see all of them with pills on the table at like 11 o'clock in the morning. But the one thing they all always wanted was burning hot coffee. And if their coffee had been sitting there for even a couple minutes and you could see the steam coming out of it, you would have a vast array of them going, I need a warmer. I'm like, I I literally was just here two seconds ago. Yes, but it's colder now. How how do you even have any taste buds? They had to have burnt your tongue off entirely. Always. Well, if they're I, old, then definitely, you know, the, the nerve endings are dead anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a hundred percent. it. So I think that's, that's what started to happen going over to my dad's now because it's, he used to have really good coffee and it's, it's always really, really weak now, which is good because I don't drink it regularly anymore. And I don't want to have those, those withdrawal headaches, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. I also, if I'm drinking coffee, I want to, I want to be able to taste my coffee. Right. Right. I totally agree. Like in my old age, like I can't do like cold brews. Cold brews are delicious, but uh, it's it's too much caffeine. I I, I can't do them. I, I wish I could. I cook like a year, then like nope, too much, too much. So I don't go through coffee withdrawals, but I do go through like overstimulation from caffeine. Yeah. It's not Jerry's, just like a constant dull hum of a headache, and nobody wants that. I got, I got too much shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it is true <laughs> yeah since i have a headache no i think i'm switching to decaf but that's just not fun no no decaf, it, it tastes different it does oh my goodness it does people will lie and tell you that it doesn't but they are that they are liars or they have no taste buds because they burnt them off mm-hmm. and that's right. all i have to say about that mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> okay so enough about our wild tangent into the arabica bean <laughs> so we are here today to talk about you know as we mentioned season one episode four teacher's pet so uh this episode opens in a very interesting way That's so nice. uh yeah so buffy is kind of uh in distress you know which we have established by now isn't a typical Buffy, you know, situation. You know, sometimes this it can be dire, but Buffy is not in distress. So uh, they're at the bronze. Uh, again, you, you know how we feel about the bronze as adults. <laughs> it's a, a very interesting place, you know, hindsight 2020. As a kid, love the bronze. Today, I cringe slightly when, when we're there and we're there often. It's wholly inappropriate. uh, (laughs) Yes, utterly so. Sheerly inappropriate. 
but we're at the bronze and you know vampires are you know under attack you know the vampires are in the bronze you know you no know, tearing through and buffy isn't you know buffying you know she hasn't been a slayer you know she's kind of you know in distress she's she's running and then we see xander who is coolly dressed by 1997 standards and he's <laughs> yes. like <laughs> yes and he's like sticking up for buffy he he saves buffy uh yeah he saves buffy and we kind of like oh yeah this, and this, she looks yeah she 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 looks clueless and he's all all like romancing the stone prowess going on it's very it's it's reversing their roles essentially yes so we're, we're getting to the point like yeah this may not be reality <laughs> currently but uh, <laughs> what we're seeing right now uh then xander jumps on stage and then does like a guitar riff and starts playing and buffy's <laughs> in the front row looking up lovingly into Xander's eyes and Zander, uh, Buffy mouths to Xander, Xander, wake up. Xander, wake up. And of course, they're in school in Sunnydale and Xander was sleeping. It's in that the real Buffy is, hey, wake up, you're in class. Have you ever <laughs> so, have you ever had a fantasy or a dream or fallen asleep like that in school? Not in school. But I don't know if this is just a me thing, but I've had that really, like, I hate these dreams. But it's the dream where, like, you're getting up for school and, you know, you fall back to sleep, but you're dreaming that you're going about your daily duties. Yes. You wake up. You think you wake up. You wake up. You're brushing your teeth. You're getting dressed. You're you're heading out. And something feels too good about it. (laughs) Wait, this, 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 this doesn't feel right. This is far too comfortable. You know, I, I don't, I hate the morning. Why am I up? And then you realize that, you know, oh shit, you're still in bed. So you did your whole morning routine as if, you know, it's the most mundane. It's the worst use for a dream, honestly. It, <laughs> it is. is the worst use of a dream. Like I'm dreaming about my daily life. Like I I'm call doing those nightmares. <laughs> Practically, yes. They, it, they it are. Is. They are the worst. They are the absolute worst. I, even now, like I, if I'm fighting zombies or monsters or vampires or something in my dreams, I'm fully like into that. I'm cool with the apocalypse in my dreams. I'm that's that's all right. I'm tired when I wake up, but I dream pretty lucidly. So I know that I'm dreaming too when I'm in my dreams. Mm-hmm. But you have me doing something like paperwork or doing data or stuff that I do for my job or or even worse, if I slip back into like a, a waitressing dream. Yeah, it, it's basic, your oh. basic daily stuff. Those are the absolute worst. Those are actual nightmares. They're terrible. They're horrible. Yes. No. It's like you said, it is the waste of a dream and it is a waste of sleep and it is a waste of time. <laughs> right. And then you have to wake up and do the shit you were just dreaming about. Like, no, yes. that's not fair. I already did it. Damn right. it. <laughs> I gotta do this again. I just did this in my mind. So, <laughs> Buffy wake well, Xander wakes up. Uh, and this episode is pretty uh, Xander based. This, uh, this episode really centers around Xander quite a bit. Uh, but Xander wakes up and they're in biology class with Dr. Gregory. Now, uh, Dr. Gregory. Uh, he is asking Buffy about uh, how ants, uh, you know, how how ants you know can you know detect each other. Now Buffy's a slayer, not the best student in the world, you know, in and out. 
you know, science isn't her isn't her gig per se. So uh, Xander and Willow are across, you know, the walkway, and the teacher's facing Buffy. So Willow is trying to kind of charade Buffy through, you know, the answering of Dr. Gregory's question. Uh, it gets answered. Uh, Dr. Gregory, of course, being a tenured teacher, so thank you, Miss Rosenthal, for helping Buffy with the question. Right. So class is over, and Dr. Gregory, the teacher, is talking to Buffy, uh, and he essentially tells Buffy, like, "Hey, you're a smart kid." I can tell you have a sharp mind, you notice things, and I want you to apply yourself because you're not doing your homework, you're not doing X, Y, or Z. So he's a teacher, you know, uh, outside of Giles, because we haven't had much experience with the teachers uh, at the school outside of Giles, but this is one teacher who has shown an interest in Buffy, and she kind of feels inspired by that. And yeah. he kind of calls her out on, on her foolishness, which isn't really foolish, but she she is the slayer. So it's not like she's just, you know, BSing around. But he kind of calls her out and say, hey, you're not doing your best. You're not operating at your full potential, and I want you to. And, he, you know. He ba- kinda, yeah, he basically says, I believe, I believe in you. Which, right, right. that is a big thing for a kid to hear at that age. It is. Which leads to a question, did you have any uh, teachers in high school um, like Dr. Gregory that kind of, you know, pushed you forward and let you kind of, you know, bullshit them? Yeah, I had I had a few, actually. I had I had one in, in junior high because back when I was a kid, we had junior high, not middle school. Um, I had one in junior high, but I had I had a couple of them in high school, too, who I mean, one of the things that I was really good at was. If you gave me an essay question. <laughs> oh, yes. Like anytime, like everybody else, I remember like students were always, always, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to have to do the essay questions. I'm like, please let me get them because I will bullshit my way through them, even if I don't know the <laughs> answer. And and I and I was I was a good student, but I was also a class clown, which I'm sure is super surprising. And I was a motor mouth, which I'm also surprised is super, super surprising. <laughs> But I was, I was, I was very social and, and I liked school, but I was, I would goof off. So I had a, I had a few and, and I stayed in contact with a lot of them after, after high school, a couple of them even came to, to my wedding, which the marriage ended poorly, but the relationships with the teachers didn't. So those were, those were lasting relationships and they've, they've impacted me as a person even today. That is awesome. That's why we're friends, because I was the same way in high school. Uh, very, very much, you know, the BS. I, I was a bullshitter. I was. I, I could mm-hmm. get out of almost anything. And the teachers, why well, I could not do that, uh, two of them were, one, my band director, because I was in marching band freshman year. Uh, he definitely called me out on my BS often. The first adult that I could not get over on. Just, <laughs> just no. It, it was a no-go the buck stopped there and he did not mind, you know, let me know about myself. And of course my freshman year, my also my English teacher, Miss Stukes Maurice. Hey Miss Stukes. Uh yeah. She loved me. Like we got along great. And she told me, like, Mark, I like you, baby, but I will fail you. <laughs> and she I did. Know. See? <laughs> she yes. Did. Yes. Oh, oh God. Listen. <laughs> I was a terrible student in the sense that I had a really uh interesting view 
on 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 homework. And um, those of you who are still in school, have, who maybe haven't listened to this, do not do what I'm about to describe because it, <laughs> it, it, did, it did not help me. So I was under the impression that, hey, I'm in school between six and eight hours where, you know, I do whatever you want me to do. So class, my class participation was great. Classwork, drills, all that stuff was on point. But when I got home, I was like, that's me time. Like, I don't bring home problems to school, so I'm damn sure not bringing school problems home. Like, no, that's not fair. So I never did homework. I never did homework. It was just like, no, this is my time. You know, in the building, that's your time. Teacher time. I was a good student. I, you know, I was like really super disruptive, but I was a talker. I was a class clown. So that got me in trouble. Couldn't put me anywhere in the class. I'll talk to anybody. But I did my work. Homework, on the other hand, like, yeah. It was like 50% of your grade, like, like, okay, that's like 85. So I have to do everything else perfectly and I still get a B. But that didn't always work. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I was anti-homework. And I had a good reason to be anti-homework, according to, you know, 15 to 17-year-old Mark. But yeah, that's not how life works, kids. Do your homework, please. Even it's, though you hate it. <laughs> it's not. And I I agree. I, I did as much. And this is actually something that spilled over into me as an adult and as an adult I've made it work for me and I had a similar perspective as you Mark I wasn't as clear about it in my own mind I didn't I I justified it in different ways I didn't just flat out say no this is me time I feel like that's a lot more honest (laughs) (laughs) it was me it was more of I've worked really hard all day I went and played my sports and did all my school stuff so now I'm tired and I'm gonna binge watch Buffy tonight um but it was it was it was more of that but what I ended up doing is I did do my homework. I just didn't do it well. <laughs> so I uh, would make sure I would, I would do it in other classes. I would finish my work as quickly as I could in that class, which ended up making me turn into this person who was super efficient about getting things done, but I didn't get them done well. So mm, it was a yeah. matter of, I'm going to be concise about my time and I'm going to be useful with my time, but I am not going to be performing to the level that I'm capable of here because I too thought it was bullshit that I had to spend so much time at home working on other crap. Now I do the same thing. I'm real, I'm super efficient with my time and I'm useful with my time, but I make sure that I do the job right and I do it well. I still have my days yeah. where I'm like, Mm-mm, nope, I need me time today. So this is getting some, some 80% um, effort. This <laughs> is getting 70% effort. And those days are the exception rather than the rule now. But, but yeah, I was, if it didn't get done in other classes, then it would either get procrastinated till the morning that it was due, or it would just get like rushed on the school bus or whatever it was. And that's, that's kind of how I, I became with it. And, and that followed me along in life with a lot of things for a while in a very negative way. So I do not recommend that either. Don't do what Mark did. Don't do what I did. Do what you're supposed to do and then find, find some methodology that works for you and you can still be successful because they are, there there are functional ones out there. Yes. Like now I'm just saying, but I would have kicked, you know, teenage Mark in the head. Because I, I wanted to teach, like, I know the answer. Why do I have to write it down? Yes. Why do I have to show my work? Oh, I love you. Like, why? (laughs) Like, I can tell you, like, actually anything. I did it. Why do I have to write it down? That seems redundant. 
I was too damn smart for my own good. Ah. <laughs> it just, no, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. But I wish, I wish it did this, though. <laughs> oh, that'd be so great if it did. Oh God. I could rule the world if it did. But <laughs> it does not. But uh, going back to the episode, you know, right after this great talk, you know, there's this uplifting, hey, you're capable. I want to see you actually put to good use, you know, conversation that Dr. Gregory gives Buffy. You know, he returns to his work and she leaves the room. And unfortunately, we see a creepy claw-like hand come from behind Dr. Gregory. And we just assume the worst has happened. Oh, yeah. And, okay, so I don't know how other people feel. I Whenever I, I watch a show like this, um, Stargate's another example um Babylon 5 where particularly in the 90s you're getting a lot of experimentation with with costumes monster makeup effects and in limited CGI that get interwoven into and then you also have you know clearly there's there's a budget and that's where sometimes you kind of either have to have a go at it and have a chuckle at something looking ridiculous and silly or you have to work in your own imagination there and kind of believe what you're seeing. In this particular circumstance, when I saw the bug extremity, I chuckled. <laughs> oh yeah. It it looks it looks silly. It does, but it doesn't change. And the great thing about Buffy is you can lean either way. You can lean into the horror side of these things and you can pick up on the scary and feel all the tension that's building. But there's so much about it that is campy and tongue in cheek that you can also laugh at it simultaneously. And that's that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about it. So when you see when you see this bug, you're like, oh, this shit's going to get weird this episode. <laughs> and it does. Yes. Yes. So I think after this scene, you know, the school day is going on. Uh, Lord, I just watched this like two days ago, a day ago. Uh, what happens next after um, this? Are, are um, they... Doesn't doesn't Xander go back into like, and I don't remember when, but doesn't he go back into like the dream world again, or is he actually at the bronze? They, they're actually yes, they're actually at the bronze now. Oh, because okay, that's uh, it. yes, while at the bronze, guess who's there? Tall, dark, and brooding. I don't, we don't know his name yet, do we? I, no. Oh, um, yes, we know. We know. His, we do know his name. We learned it uh, in the second part of the harvest. So we do know that Angel is Angel, but we don't know anything yes. about him yet, other than he's a friend. Right. Kind of. So, <laughs> kind of. This is what happens. Yeah. This is what happens. So Xander is at the quote-unquote bar, uh, talking to his friend from class, who we saw in the scene prior. A uh, football jock name is not necessary, but uh, they're talking about, you know, their conquest and things. And uh, Xander chimes in like, yeah, you know, you know, I'm a macho man. And he sees uh, Willow and Buffy coming into the room. So he runs up, says something. Uh, oh, he puts his arms sexist. around them. Yeah, he yes, puts his arms around just, both of them. He puts his arms around both of them. And they're like, what are you doing? You know, because like, why are you groping us? This is not a relationship. He said, hey, just go along with it. They peek over and like, oh, okay. So that, so Willow, who has a crush on Xander, kind of plays into it. Buffy, on the other hand, sees Angel from across the room. So she ditches 
them and goes over to, you know, Angel. Uh, this is the first time where we kind of see this uh, of a, a, a tinge of jealousy uh, Xander has over Angel. Because, of course, we knew in the last episode, uh, Buffy has made it clear in her, uh, in her uh, modified state that she sees Xander as a friend and not in a romantic sense. It is quite clear that uh, Miss Summers here is crushing on Angel. Uh, so uh, Buffy and Angel, they have a conversation, a little back and forth banter. Uh, oh, he Angel offers his jacket. Buffy. Yeah. Yes. Angel gives Buffy his leather jacket, which we will see many times over the course of the show. Yes. Uh, she, knows, she knows that he's injured and he gives his standard cryptic message, you know, be careful. No, there's a creature out there. Don't let him corner you. And, you know, just, you know, He's, be careful. He, yeah, he, I, the first season in particular, like all of Angel's dialogue is so short and cryptic is 100% the right way to describe it. It's, it, he evolves and changes in the future, but it's really funny watching it now. And then, you know, we get to know him with time, but here it's just like, he's, he's kind of strange. But I can tell you right now, too, if I was Buffy, I would have been just as Goo Goo Gaga because I yes, was her yes. age and I was fully Goo Goo Gaga from he was 100 percent the kind of guy that I would have been into. He was older. He seemed dangerous. He's a beautiful man. Uh, and, you know, he was kind of into her. But also, if if you had any brains about you, you'd been like, no, this is not a smart guy to get into things with i i should not be doing this but no at that age you're all you see is the the cuckoo gaga beautiful actually exactly it's like if i if i ran into david boreanaz on the street today he'd be one of the few few uh celebrities where i'd probably get a little tongue-tied i admit it (laughs) (laughs) and it would it would have nothing to do with him as david boreanaz now i watched him for years on bones and I like him uh, when he shows up and is an actor and things. I don't know about him as a personal, uh, his mm-hmm. personal life or anything like that. But I would be one of those idiots. I'd be like, "You're angel. Will you, will you yeah. sign, please sign my arm, please?" Yeah, I would. I would totally shame myself, and it would be fine. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so I totally, is- I, I totally get this reaction. It feels very natural to me. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's just funny. How time will clear your vision. Like, yeah, this is just trouble waiting to happen. Don't don't do this. Don't do this. But yeah, this, you try to tell a six-year-old what to do. No. No, and the word and the truth is too, and it is 100 percent true. And you and even at that age, I can tell you, if you have a brain about you, which I did, you know that that person is wrong for you, or it's going to be trouble and it's going to cause you nothing but pain. And you're still going to dive in head first. But if you tell that person, don't do it, it is 100% going to make them go in the direction of of the bad guy. Not Mm -hmm. that Angel is a bad guy that we know of or not yet, but the guy who probably isn't right for you. Yes, the man looks like trouble, okay? He just, trouble, trouble. He only shows up when bad things happen. That's it. Mm, Or about to happen. Exactly. He shows up to give you, like you said, cryptic messages, and then poof, he poofs, he's gone. He's not there to help her. 
Nope. Yeah. Nope. At all. So fast forward to the next day, they're in school. And unfortunately, it's been told that Dr. Gregory is missing. No one knows where Dr. Gregory is. He, he's missing. Uh, and to sub for his class is a Miss French. Miss French is the substitute teacher I'll be taking over the class. Now, when we're introduced to Miss uh, Miss French, she's walking up to the school and uh, Xander and nondescript uh, football jock see them, um, see her. And essentially, uh, you know, Miss French is gorgeous. She has mm-hmm. a British accent, I believe. I, when I saw this episode, I'm like, she looks familiar. Who is she? I've seen her somewhere before. And the most uh, recognizable thing from her IMBD page was that she played Sindel in the uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, uh, the really bad uh, 90s um, sequel. <laughs> I mean, oh, I loved goodness. it as a kid, but yes. she was Sindel. And I'm like, yeah, that's her. That is her. <laughs> but, you know, she, gorgeous lady. So, uh, Xander, you know, stumbles over his words. Football jock, you know, kind of no bandy man's man. Uh, cruising, hey, I'll show you where your room is. Walk right this way. And again, uh, adult glasses on. Why is this teenage child flirting with this grown ass woman and her not stopping it right there and getting the tracks? Like, no, you, this is this is unacceptable behavior, girl. What it's, are you doing? It's it's creepy. It is an. Actually, in all of my notes in reference to her, I know that her name is Miss French, but all of my notes are hot for teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all hot for teacher. But I I 100% get it. Okay, first of all, I have never seen a teacher that hot in school ever. Right. She is she is smoking hot. And, and she's super sensual. And we'll get into more of that in the episode further. But... There is nothing but alarm bells going off. And Buffy, who's super secure, reacts kind of hostily towards her because she sees how all the males are reacting to her. Like, yes, that's normal. But why is she not feigning them off? No, she's encouraging it. Yes. And and all of that right there should ring alarm bells. And it is and it is and it is gross. It is. it is like when you think about it, honestly, what grown woman in her right mind wants a musty ass sixteen year old boy? I don't really? know. Nobody. Who? Don't show know. me. Show me one outside of that. You know. No, actually, no. I won't even mention her. She just died not too long ago. <laughs> but you know, the nineties. Uh, Laterna was her, her name, I believe. Like that. That one big case from you know our kidhood. Where the teacher had an affair with, with, with the kid. Like, yeah, she was weird. That whole thing was weird. But, like, ew. Teenage boys are disgusting. It's true. Literally. Okay, and I will further that by saying, even when I was that age, I was not into guys my age. That was part of the reason I was attracted to Angel. Because he was older. I did not like high school boys in high school. I think I only had one high school boyfriend the whole time I was in high school. I dated a lot of little thuggish, ruggish boys too. I like, I like bad boys a lot. So I probably could have, 
I got I got into a lot of trouble and was was on punishment and grounded a lot. And it was usually had a lot to do with with my choice in in guys that I was interested in. So yeah, there were things that I had to work on and work through. I'm much better now. Yeah. But but I like to, <laughs> but Oh but, god, we are so old. I know, I know. But I was totally, even at that age, I was into older guys. Now, and I I don't think I've ever just like openly said this on a podcast before, but I'm I'm pansexual. So I, I'm into everybody. And I can say this too. With females, it is not the same. And it was never the same. I'm I'm just attracted to women that are either my age, older, younger, whatever. But with men, 90% of the time, and even at my age now, I'm typically attracted to men that are older than me. Now I'm married to a guy who's three years younger than me. But he is 100% the exception to my typical rule. So no, I do not get these women that are interested in younger men. And at that age, they're boys. And especially now that I'm 41 years old, if you're 16 to like 25, I can't tell the difference. You all look Listen. like babies to me. You all look like babies. Yeah. You, might be, you might be a beautiful baby, but you're all babies. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I... I, I... I have game controllers that are older than some people who can drink. <laughs> like yes. literally, like that's yeah, and, and they work. Like like I, I have a PS1 right now that is older than you, person. No. <laughs> no, but yes, people who have graduated from college still look like teenagers to me. Like I cannot tell the difference between a 25-year-old and a 16-year-old. No. I mean, I'm sure I could, you know, but it, it, it's harder these days. Like you're in college? I thought you're like a sophomore in high school. Wow, that's crazy. But you know, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's or, or, a child. If you're under the age of 27, you're a child to me. Yeah. And if I see and it's the same thing with people driving, I'm like, oh my gosh, they should not be driving that car. They are way too young. They're 22, Heather. They can drink. What? No, they can't. No, they're not. And I used to be one of those people uh-huh. who was really, really good at guessing people's ages and zeroing in on that too. Now, nope. Nope, it's all gone. I'm I'm just over here in a in an old person cloud. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> another aside, uh, I went to work the other day and we had like a holiday party, and you know we played name that tune. So we got two employees up there, and I'm playing music for them to guess. And this is like music from like the early two thousands. I mean, like Tyrese. <laughs> you know, like Ooh. music that. Like, you know, me from the early 2000s, I'm like, okay, they look young. And like, I was born in 2002. And I'm like, I guessed like a lot. Like, <laughs> 2002. That was 20 years ago. Like, oh my God. I was yeah. co- I was alive and like coherent 20 years ago. And we worked together. Like, what? That can't be right. Time is a weird, weird thing, people. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, you, like, I, again, I have controls older than you. I have. I have shirts older than you. Like I have oh. CDs older than you. Like it's crazy. Oh my god! But <laughs> back to this show. So this, um, <laughs> this, this, this woman, as you know, is is allowing these uh, children to flirt with her, and she's just letting it happen. So we find so we already point. know she's suspect for that. So already, yeah, we're, yeah. we're definitely cued into something is not right with her. Mm-hmm. Nasty ass. But we know <laughs> something's going on here. So uh, she is the new uh, biology teacher. Uh, 
everybody's a little well, I know, especially Buffy's a little let down because after her pep talk from you know Mr. from Dr. Gregory, you know, he's not there. So she's kind of like, hmm, this is you know interesting. And uh she has a particular subject matter she wants to talk about, which is praying mantis. Hink, um, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Uh, no, she wants to discuss, you know, no, she's changing the lesson plan. She's she's discussing, you know, praying mantises. Uh, and she is offering, uh, she's trying to build a nest of eggs. And she's talking to uh, the students about, you know, entering it into like a, uh, like science fair type of situation. So she's inviting uh, students of the male variety for one-on-one, you know, meetings to, uh, you know, discuss this thing. Which highly Again. suspect. And, highly. And let us let us also remember, if you know anything about insects or bugs, you know a little bit about a praying mantis. And if you don't, she explains it to you right then and there that the females bite the male's head off after they're done using them. Uh-huh. So, and using them to mate, it's not like they're just sitting there building them a house or they have some agreement or they've, they've been divorced and these are mantis rules. No, it's we mate, you die. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty hardcore, but, <laughs> and I've always thought that about <laughs> mantises and I love this, this whole concept and idea for the episode but I mean, there there's nothing but alarm bells going off in this this one small scene, and every single dangler in the room is completely oblivious to it. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. the girls are like, "What? What is your damage?" And and you know they're being told that they're jealous, which I'm like, ah, uh-huh. my claws came out when Xander started that. But but yes, so so it's it's. It's 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 a really really quick scene, but it is it is nothing but oh my gosh shit is about to hit the fan mm-hmm. because be, because of teenage boys teenage boys yes so uh, fast forward a bit uh, we're back in the lunchroom and uh, Buffy uh, Buffy Willow. And Xander are in line. Uh, one thing that sticks out to me is this, this kind of 90s plaid top that Buffy has on. Just mm-hmm. It was very indicative of the 90s. You'll see it today now, but because it's referential to the 90s, that's why kids are wearing it to, well, young adults are wearing it today. But, you know, watching it in this show, this is like the, yep, this is a very 90s top, post-grunge uh, plaid sort of, you know, sit in, in this lunch line. So, they're grabbing lunch. They're having conversations uh, about the teacher. Also, uh, also their lunches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying we had healthy lunches in our school, but they were not the slop that was getting piled onto their trays. And I thought it was really funny that Blaine says to, I think he said to Xander, I'm carb loading because he's about to go yes. see, see, see hot for teacher later. But all mm-hmm. he has on his tray is a pile of lettuce Three milks and a jello. <laughs> yes. yes. There's, there's no carbs there. I mean, there's carbs in the milk, but aside from that, it's he's certainly not carb loading. So I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, you're right. eating like you're you're eating like a, an animal. <laughs> yes. And like you're gonna fart. You're like three cartons of milk. That's like three cups of milk, sir, for lunch. And you 
you're gonna be bloated and gassy. Yes. So whatever you whatever you think is gonna happen here. <laughs> like ew. <laughs> way way Again, too many teenage got milk. are disgusting. <laughs> that is so true. Got milk ads were a big thing at that time too. So we all thought we had to drink like 20 gallons of milk to have strong bones in, in the generation I grew up in. And only now did I realize, oh, you know, adult mammals really don't need to drink milk at all. At it's, all. It, at we all. don't. Yeah, we don't need to. There are other ways that we can gain our calcium. It's called cheese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which <And> it's also... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, I'm lactose intolerant, but does that stop me from eating dairy? By God, no, it doesn't stop me from eating dairy. Dairy is delightful, but oh. I cannot do, I can't do milk. Like, I, I can't, like, for the longest time, I could not eat cereal. And I love eating cereal, but so at the age of 20, I became like violently lactose intolerant to like regular milk. And then I tried to do like the almond milk. Like cereal isn't the same. You need cow milk for cereal. I can't yep. do a milk substitute for cereal. And then I discovered lactate milk that take the lactose out of it. And that just, you know, that made me so happy for so long. I could have a decent bowl of cereal with regular milk. And then like I stopped liking super sweet stuff. So now I'm like, okay, now I'm getting old. No, but well, well, that is part of it too. A lot. I used to, my mom, my mom had all sorts of stomach ulcers and issues. And one of the things she drank a ton of because it made her stomach um, feel better was milk. It would coat the lining of her stomach. So she would have less stomach pain and she never went to the doctor for anything. So this is her way of self-medicating was drinking like, and I shit you not a gallon of milk a day. So we just drank a ton of milk growing up and I have had stomach issues and IBS my entire life, but I was unaware of how horribly milk was contributing to all of the, the digestive problems that I suffered in my youth <laughs> until I, uh, until I was like 30 years old. And, and now I'm, I'm the same, Mark. I know that, I know that milk, I know that dairy is bad for me. And I even have a child that is allergic to dairy. So I cook with almond milk and, and I use a lot of that substitutes and that kind of thing. But I also will sit there and I will look at my husband at like eight o'clock at night, knowing full well, it's the worst possible time I can indulge in dairy. And I'm going to go tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, I am going to be miserable. And you remind me that I made this choice completely clear headed to go eat a big giant bowl of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. and I'll do it. And you know what? Some of the, the soy ice cream and, and some of the substitutes, they're really good, but it's not the same. And it's worth getting sick and over I, sometimes. Sometimes it just it is. is. It is. And I know what I'm doing when I do it and I will suffer and it is fine. Right. And that was like my like litmus test for like good ice cream. Does this make my stomach hurt after I take a, like a spoonful? If it does, that's good ice cream. That's real ice cream. <laughs> if, if it does not, this is some artificial, you know, by like process, you know, shit. But if it like, do you guys have Cold Stone in Michigan? Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Cold Stone is amazing. So I remember the first time we, uh, the first Cold Stone in my area, like in Baltimore, I went and I got, a, what was it? It was called like a cake and shake. So it was like a milkshake made with like their sweet cream ice cream. It's like their virgin vanilla and like uh, actual cake pieces. They'll blend it all together and it wind up tasting just like uh, cake batter. And they also have a cake batter ice cream as well. But, you know, like the first spoon, like the first like swallow, I'm like, oh, 
my stomach just started speaking in German backwards. So I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that is that is indeed real milk. <laughs> this is going to be a problem later. But did I stop eating Cold Stone? No, of course not. Nope, nope, no, no, no. Mama oh, didn't raise goodness. no pussy. No, <laughs> I was telling you. I eat this Cold Stone. But yes, <laughs> milk is terrible, terrible, but also awesome at the same time. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but yes, but Blaine is the name of, uh, you know, nondescript uh, football player jock. Yes, his name was Blaine. Thank you for reminding me of that. But he runs through the line. He runs through the line, you know, rushing to get with his uh, his his hot date with Miss French. Uh, now, behind the, behind, you know, in the actual cafeteria where the lunch ladies are serving, there's Cordelia being Cordelia. She is uh, telling the lunch ladies that she has a special diet that she must follow from her doctor. And she has to go into the, you know, the, the refrigerator, you know, the employee-only refrigerator to, you know, retrieve yeah. things. Yeah. And that is where we find the decapitated Dr. Gregory. Okay. You know and- what is so great about Sunnydale High School is whenever they find a dead body or somebody catches on fire, school is never canceled. The day just no, goes ever. on. <laughs> Everybody just goes to their next class. Sometimes you need peer counseling. But <laughs> but for the most part, it's, oh, yeah, the show must go on. It's so fucking great. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I, what happens in the next scene? Um. Okay, let me see here. Okay, I think I think they're trying to figure out um yeah oh they go to the library they go to the library so they're talking Mm -hmm. about gregory's body being dead and um they're uh buffy is referring to the vampire that angel was talking about and warned her about as fork guy because the the scratches across his arm look like someone with a giant fork and Mm -hmm. they think that it must somehow be connected at this point so right yeah so so Giles tells Buffy, you know, hey, we don't know enough right now. So don't look into this at all. Don't go, don't go patrol tonight. Um, we we need more information before we can. So naturally, Buffy ignores Giles and she goes and looks for the vampire that Angel told her about in the park. Which mm-hmm. oh, and and that's also because they found another dead body. In that park, which apparently Sunnydale has a little bit of a homeless problem because there's several homeless people in this park and she's wandering around looking for for Fork Man and and then, oh, she does. She finds him and he comes out at her mm-hmm. They're 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 having a go. But then the police show up. And she looks and takes off because. The vampire Forkman has ran from her. She chases him only to find him running into Hot for Teacher. And Hot for Teacher has some groceries. So if, you know, you you aren't alarmed by her yet, you should be after this point. Because scary Forkman, who's messed up the very beautiful and clearly powerful angel, he looks terrified of her. And tears uh-huh. off. Yes. And fun fact about this scene. <laughs> uh, Hopper teacher, Miss French, 
she actually has, which is, I found completely and utterly random, she has a VHS copy of The Mask hanging out the top of her grocery bag. Seriously? Oh, that's so fucking great. Go back and watch it. You'll see it. I'm like, oh, that's The Mask. <laughs> oh my God, I had that VHS. I know that VHS tape. But yes, it's like it's like broccoli, like carrots, something like that. Then The Mask, like, oh, okay. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I love those little Easter eggs. Somebody stop me. That movie was fun and silly. I I haven't watched it in a really long time. It probably hasn't aged very well. Mm-hmm. But but probably I would still I, I'll still watch it. So yeah. But <clears throat> so so after after that, um Buffy returns to Giles and Giles is angry with her because she did not listen. Bad Buffy, once again being the paternal figure here and she gives him the hey there has to be something freaky about this woman because i'm no longer worried about fork man he was afraid of her and this is one of my favorite lines eventually in one of the episodes of buffy and i use it continuously over the last you know 15 20 years and that's when scary things get scared it's time to be worried so <laughs> This this was of that mindset. And once again, we're seeing that Buffy is, is you know, she's very observant and she's smart. She catches on to these things quite quickly. So now they know that yes. there is something not right about the teacher, but they're not sure what. Right. Um, we also find out in this scene that uh, because, you no know, Willow's hacking, doing her thing, uh, they want to go look for the... Uh, the uh, autopsy for Dr. Gregory. Yes. But Willow also found out that Blaine did not make it home last night after his uh, rendezvous with uh, Hot for Teacher. So that's now like, hmm, this is another strike. You know, something's going on with this lady. What's going on? Now, this is what comes next is a scene. I actually wrote this quote down because it was on IMBD. Like, I don't understand why it was, because this is just so hilarious to me. So Buffy's in the hallway, and she's heading to class, and she's she's stopped by the principal, Mr. Flutie. And Mr. Flutie is demanding that uh, Buffy go seize the grief counselor, because she was in the cafeteria when uh, Dr. Gurry's body was found. And this is what he says. We all need help with our feelings. Otherwise, we bottle them up and before you know it, powerful laxatives are involved. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sent me, like, I had to pause and laugh and then rewind to laugh again. Then rewind one more time to write it down. I can share it on the podcast. But yes, if you hold in your emotions, it can lead to, you know, severe constipation. Much like, you know, the, the use of milk. But, you know, but that, that line just stuck with me it made me laugh so hard and then uh i know we talked about this before but uh charisma carpenter is such a joy on this show because as an actress she is fully aware of the of cordelia's fuckery like she knows cordelia like her her comedic timing is just so funny and you know in this in, in within the same scene uh, once, you know, Dr. Mr. Flutie tells Buffy to go to the grief counselor, 
the grief counselors and with uh, Cordelia. And, you know, she, uh, her comedic time, she understands her character and how, like, she makes, she makes Cord- Cordy so funny. And, you know, her just talking about how she's affected, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, she hasn't eaten since yesterday and she lost 7.5 ounces. And, you know, she lost more weight doing that instead of, you know, you know, being on the diet her doctor put her on. Uh, I'm not saying that teachers should die every day, but, you know, (laughs) this is a good thing for me. Like, it was just hilarious. And it was just very on brand for Cordy. I wrote the same thing down, too. It was... um... When tragedy strikes, it was after all that. When tragedy strikes, we have to look on the bright side. And it was her living, losing her seven ounces. And you said it earlier yes. too. Uh, you know, here is Cordy just being Cordy. And that is literally like the explanation of her throughout this entire <laughs> series too. It's perfect. And you're right. Charisma 100% understands her. Her character could have been so much less by a different actor playing that role. She is absolutely fantastic and hilarious and she is not likable at all and at the same time every time she's on screen i'm like oh i'm gonna laugh i'm gonna laugh even if she's being horrible i'm probably gonna laugh she's she's great and she steals she does she steals the scenes or as as you know uh uh acting teacher would say she wins the scenes she does she wins almost every single scene that she's in and and it's an absolute delight and sometimes right. it's a, it's the break that we need. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just like, I couldn't imagine Buffy as a series without Charisma Carpenter. Like, yeah. everybody is integral, honestly. I, I can't say, you know, Buffy would have been Buffy without Allison or Nicholas or, you know, Sarah Michelle. Uh, but Cordy uh, puts, she's such an integral part of this show. And like you, it just wouldn't be the same without charisma playing Cordy. Like no one else could have played Cordy, in my opinion. No one else I, I could think of. Yeah, she's a stereotype, but she doesn't play her like a stereotype. Right. If if that makes any sense, she is, but she isn't. She is one hundred percent embodied this this type of person that you expect her to be. But if you played anybody else played her, I don't think that you would like her or laugh as much. Because she could be hateful. Just her lines alone could be hateful. But she mm-hmm. doesn't play them that way. There's there's, there's something that she does that makes you you laugh your ass off. Even when you shouldn't. Right. Right. So, now, after, you know, the, the grief scene, we see that Xander, um, the grief counselor scene, we see that Xander is now with having his one-on-one with Miss French. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> again... Adult red flag goes way, way up. Miss French informs Xander that, you know, silly me, I forgot the paper mache at home that we needed to, you know, create the uh, the egg. Do you mind coming to my home this evening around seven-ish so we can work on the project? Again, no ma'am. Like, yeah. in what world does this, does this happen? Like, yeah. no, this is creepy and disgusting. It is. But- and the thing about it is, though, it's natural for the kid to go do this. Like, Xander would. The Xanders of the world would be like, this is my moment. And uh-huh. this is, it's like his fantasy in in the bronze coming true. Except it's not with Buffy. It's with this smoking hot teacher lady who's also 
seems very, very experienced at biology. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's clearly sending him all of these signals. So it's natural for him to be interested. And he's right. overwhelmed by pheromones, by hormones and everything. So he doesn't see it. And all of that is believable. But as a viewer, yeah, I'm right there with you going, oh, no, 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 no. This needs to stop right now. I'm, th- someone needs to shut this shit down right this second. That's <laughs> yes. what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Yes. This is not right. Yes. Right. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable. This, <laughs> it is. Like, uh, this is just. Uh, and honestly, like right about now, we are probably the same age, if not older than Miss French. <laughs> and at this point, it's like, ew. Huh? I am. I know I am. Yep. Yep. Nope. Nope. She should be looking at him going, you're either 15 to 25. That's a no go zone for me. Yes. No. (laughs) Like where is your, 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 your spray bottle of water? Like he's a cat. Ah, back up. up. (laughs) But uh, going back to Miss French, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing here, which I also found very kind of like weird. She's wearing like a white shirt and a cardigan. That's a very particular shade of green like praying mantis green and she has on like green eyeshadow as well and it just is like okay it's a definitely foreshadowing here but it also looks very weird i'm not saying that you can't wear a cardigan and eyeshadow but those two things together just seemed very much it was a very vampish look for uh for a biology teacher (laughs) so it's like okay yeah if buffy if if buffy was pulling it off then it would be okay well that's that's age appropriate that's right that's that's youthful and fun and and it and around that time too i mean we were wearing glittery eyeshadow and all sorts of pastels that i i loathe pastel but i i still even now look at them on buffy and go oh but you you make it work sarah you make it work but yeah, but it, it but definitely not age appropriate for her at all. But like you said, it definitely is that whole mantis green thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're now going back to the uh, we're back in the library, and now with the the missing the missing head and Buffy taking Doctor Gregory's uh, advice from earlier in the episode, she's doing her homework. So she read the chapters. So Buffy has pieced together that uh miss french is a large praying mantis like she's like yeah this is what she is this this is you know her deal i did homework and you know this is what i'm thinking and everyone is kind of making like are you sure about because you know she's kind of big and she's you know i'm giles chanton she's woman shaped yes (laughs) yes such a giles thing to say (laughs) yes she's woman shaped and buffy's like yeah but you know these like they decapitate people, you know, that they're interested in. Uh, she's piecing together everything, you know, Blaine's missing, Mr. Dr. Gregory's dead. And then uh Willow knows, oh, whoa, wait a minute. You know, Xander is meeting her, you know, later today. I just, you know, what, what's going on with that? You know, he's in danger. And this is when Willow, it's noticeable, but it's I want to say it's quiet. Like if you're Willow becomes, you know, Xander's her friend, of course. You know, he's a part of the game. But, you know, her level of worry is quite intense. It and is. it's not necessarily completely spelled out, but there is an added sense of urgency when she pieces together that Xander 
could possibly be in danger. It absolutely is. Um, and mm -hmm. that, the, and, and nobody else picks up on that dynamic at the moment, but I think that that was 100% intended for, for the audience to see. And, and it's, it's one of those moments too, where uh, Alison Hannigan's actually pretty young at this point. I think she's only a couple years older than, than Willow's actual age. I think she's like 19 or so. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know what her, her background prior to this actually was, but she, she has a really difficult job playing her because she is a quiet and understated character. She's not like Cordy who stands out or Buffy who is the slayer or even Xander with his snarky, sarcastic quips all the time. She's, and, and even Giles with his stuffy British irritation with everything. She could very much so be the wallflower of the show. And again, it's it's all these characters are placed into these these bubbles of stereotypes but all of them walk outside the lines of what their stereotype is supposed to be while still existing in it. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it's really cool to see that they, they started it this early on and a lot of the subtleties, but I think Allison does the best job of, of being subtle, but still being present and you paying attention to her because you love Willow right away. I mean, from the mm -hmm. first scene she's in in Welcome <clears throat> to Hellmouth, you like her, even in her her softer side of Sears dress. You like Willow, and it's not just a you feel sorry for her. You like her. Like I would have been her friend in school. I I would have at least tried to be her friend in school. Yeah. So 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 when you watch her her suffer too, it's different than watching Xander suffer with Buffy, where he's. He's kind of an ass, but Willow, mm -hmm. I feel bad for her. <laughs> I I empathize with her affection because she's not, she's not pushing it. She knows that Xander isn't interested in her. So she leaves it. Right. And, and right now she's terrified as she should be, but this is also, I, okay. I also love this too, because it, we should, we should start a count of, of at least two things here. One. I think this is the first episode where like a pager is referenced. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. I, I think this is this is the first episode where a pager is referenced. And I wanted a pager so bad in high school. And my mom kept telling me, no, only drug dealers have pagers. And that was because she didn't yes. like the boys that I dated. And <laughs> but that I mean, was a trope though. My parents yeah. did the same thing to my older brother. My my brother is seven years older than me. He had a pager when he was like 16 so i was like like around eight or nine somewhere around there and that was the thing my mother, my mother definitely said like only jerkers have those and you know why you need it why aren't you near a phone x y and z all the things but he had like a a, a crystal blue one like the like the blue clear you know <gasps> completely 90s cool. aesthetic oh. yes. uh, for the younger kids listen everything if you were cool in the 90s Everything was clear, okay? Mm -hmm. Everything was clear. The clear phones, yeah. uh, the MacBooks that came out in the late 90s with the big bags, the clear, you know, see-through. Transparent plastic was the aesthetic. You hear me? That was the thing to have in the 90s if you were of teenage, you know, adolescent years. Clear plastic was the look. <laughs> but he had a clear blue uh, pager. 
And I'll just like beep him dumb stuff like hello and boobs when I was a kid. Boobs, yes, <laughs> boobs, yes. boobs. I still even now texting, I'm like, oh, there's all these like acronyms that everybody uses now and stuff. And I'm like, can I just still use like 143? <laughs> will, yes. will anybody know if I text them 143? Will will that work? <laughs> oh, God. I know, oh, remember, I texting know. was serious when we were kids. Even like as young adults, we had T9. We had to hit T's multiple times for one letter. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, that, that that was our time, you know, in the sun. It, you know, it was, it, was you, work. it took a minute. Yes, it was. It took a minute to text somebody. That was like an intentional thing. There were no emojis. There were no emojis. There, there were no, you know, touch, you know, no touch screens. We had the number pad with multiple letters and then we graduated to a hard keypad, which sometimes I wish we still had. I would kill. I do. I miss my old a dedicated keypad. I still uh, have it. Okay, so we we've talked about um in the last episode we were talking about um keeping physical copies of things. I still have my my first um my first I think I think that actually was my first cell phone. It was my rumor and it had one of those pull out keypads and oh my gosh, I loved it so much. I still miss it. I would probably be a much better yes. texter now. I am a terrible texter. I 100% Absolutely. admit it. And I don't care. And it's fine. You're going to get no punctuation from me. You're going to get misspelled words because I've fat fingered something and I'm too lazy to go back and fix it. And That's me. Yep. Yep. Or if I'm walking somewhere, I will, I will also usually only text during certain times of day where I'll pick up my phone and catch up on messages. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that'll sometimes be during a walk to school or while I'm picking up one of my kids or something like that. So I'll be using audio on top of it, which that is a whole nother array of madness. Yeah. I am, I am so lazy about it. And because of our generation, what we had to go through, you think I wouldn't be, but no, I'm the complete opposite. Like, no, I've had enough of this. (laughs) I miss my Blackberry so much. I miss it so much. Battery lasted for four days, literally four days. If I don't plug my iPhone up at the end of the night, like, I'm I'm, I'm done for the next day. It's crazy. Uh, I washed my Blackberry and it still worked. (laughs) No problem. See, that's why. Battle horse. That's why we keep some of those things forever. We have an emotional attachment to them because they were great. That's why I still have my rumor. If I plugged it in right now, that son of a bitch would probably still work. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> so that Willow is now again. She's upset. You know, she she is anxious. So they're looking up information on uh, Mrs. French, trying to find her address because you know Willow spoke to Xander's mom. And said, and she said that he's going to a teacher's house. Now, fast forward, uh, Xander is in the teacher's house and he is, uh, I forgot exactly what happened. So it doesn't quite matter. Horny kid went to a teacher's house. She clubbed him and dragged him to the basement where he's now in the basement with Blaine. Luckily, Blaine is not dead, but he's in a, you know, uh, a pseudo sex dungeon. Uh, <laughs> yes waiting i'm yeah. pretty sure he <laughs> said something along the lines of she she'll come down and then she'll start gyrating that was not the word she used, <laughs> but yes. that is what he said <laughs> yes. and i was like and i had to pause it and because i i also use closed caption on everything i had to rewind it and watch it again i'm like is that what i just heard 
but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was, it yes. was fantastic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. So lo and behold, Miss French is indeed a very large praying mantis. And much like, you know, the smaller praying mantis, she needs to kill her lovers, you know. She lays the eggs after they fertilize the eggs, you know, off of their head. So, uh, you know, they're like, what's going on? This is crazy. Uh, we then fast forward to Buffy, Giles, and Willow knocking on a front door that appears to be Mrs. French House. And a very, uh, you know, unassuming elderly lady opens the door. And Buffy's like, we're looking for Miss French. She's like, well, honey, I am Miss French, you know. No, we're, we're looking for the substitute teacher in biology. And this Miss French says, yes, you know, I, you know, taught for 30 years, but I retired in 1972. So they piece together that uh, the praying mantis Miss French has stolen the identity of this teacher to get into school access and things. They also found out in the last scene in the library that there are, you know, huge bugs that feed on virgins uh, to, you know, to, to, you know to, to produce. So we can now assume that both Blaine and Xander, you know, are proud carriers of their B card. Which is funny because both of them were lying and exaggerating about their male prowess and all of the, the women that they've conquered at the beginning of the episode. Uh, as most teenage boys do. Yep, yep, yep. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but so now uh, they're at a dead end. Uh, the Scooby game minus Xander because he's the one in danger. They don't know how to find Xander. And then Buffy has a great idea. Uh, she ducks away into uh, into a sewer and she finds our old friend, you know, Forkhands. <laughs> so yeah. she, she, she uses Mr. Forkhands to find, you know, to kind of track down uh the praying mantis Miss French because you know he was afraid of her. So pretty sure he can detect where she is. So she's walking this vampire like a dog, essentially, you know, sniffing out, you know, the house where she is. Because Buffy surmises that she was going to the grocery store around here. Therefore she must live in this neighborhood. Once again, we Buffy find- much more resourceful and smart than a character of this type technically. Usually, yep. usually, once again. Mm-hmm. So Buffy finds the house, you know, they start to interrogate. Of course, Mr. Scissorhands, Mr. Forkhands has, you know, sharp, you know, objects for fingers. He breaks through through his snare. Buffy ends him. They go into the basement to face off of Mrs. French. Earlier in the library scene, Buffy, through her research, you know, being prompted by the late Dr. Gregory, finds that you know, bet sonar messes with the nervous system of praying manti. Is it mantises or manti? Praying manti? I, I want to say manti now. I, I like it. So even if it's wrong, yes. I think I'll just say it that way from now on, regardless. I agree. <laughs> now, me and Heather now, we created, we created a word or we discovered, it depends. Yeah, praying either manti. way, if, if you say something with enough confidence, most people will believe you anyway. As yes, we explained so. early on about our bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, prey manti are discombobulated by, you know, bats, because bats are their natural predators. So, they begin to tussle. Uh, bat noises are played. 
Bug uh, spray is used, which I was super yes. excited about. That was hilarious and brilliant. <laughs> Lots of bug spray. And which leads me to poor Xander. Poor, poor Xander. Still trying to find his way in this new world he's thrusted in. He's spraying a bug spray, trying to be, you know, vigilant, you know, valiant. And Buck just like puts him to like, get out the way. Let me do what I have to do. And so he is still the damsel in distress, you know, to her heroine. Yeah. Uh, so he gets pushed away while Buffy, you know, tussles with uh, Miss French, the praying mantis. <laughs> so uh, she kills yeah, he, him. He, yeah, and he, she does. She actually physically shoves him out of the way too. It's not just a yeah. stay out of the way here. It's a, you are in the way at this point. So I am it's a move, removing bitch. you from That's the situation. It is. <laughs> yep, yep, it sure it is. is. It's so, it is and, a move, and, bitch. and you can see on his face too, which, you know, he does a very good job of is he looks quite emasculated, which is uh, something that hurt. continues to happen throughout the series. Yes, he is pained by this mm. action. But they take off no Miss French. Uh, not only do they know to show Miss French, she's mating. She killed poor Dr. Gregory. She's about to, you know, get to blame. And, you know, she wanted Xander. So she has eggs. So they then proceed to, you know, destroy the brood of eggs that she has in the basement. Yes, they do. And in this scenario too, is is something that, um, <laughs> that again, that maybe we should keep a count on throughout the series. It doesn't happen this time, but Xander gets shoved by Buffy and Buffy has to save Xander. That's something that happens regularly. But also mm -hmm. if we start counting knockouts of Giles, he doesn't get yes. completely knocked out in this episode. He gets knocked down, which happens a lot. But the actual amount of times Giles gets knocked out, completely knocked out throughout the entire series, has to be well, well into double digits. It is often. And it's really funny. I think they even start making jokes about it in the later seasons. And <laughs> the secondary thing that also this episode was the first one of many on, as we will see as we continue to go through our rewatch, is Xander ending up with somehow with evil women, women who are possessed, monsters. He seems to attract oh, yes. the evil somehow, which I do feel for him for. He definitely has a, <laughs> somehow his his energy seems to bring the wicked. <laughs> yes, poor, poor Xander. <laughs> but yes, that is, that is a reoccurring thing for him throughout this show, that Xander is just... Uh, he is like catnip for the evil. I'm evilly inclined. I love that. He is catnip for the evil. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So a uh, big bad or uh, bad of the episode has been defeated. You know, all things are pretty normal. Everything goes back uh, to, no, to normal by Sunnydale standards. Uh, this, the next scene is kind of, it's touching. It, I think it's the most uh, heartwarming part of this particular episode. So it's the next day, they're back in biology class. As we all know, Dr. Gregory is now gone. Miss French, who killed Dr. Gregory, is now gone. And he's been replaced by a new biology teacher. So, you know, we see uh, Buffy in the back of the class kind of for, in a very forlorn type of, you know, emotion. And she's like, you know, a teacher who believed in her is now no longer with us. 
Now, Dr. Gregory was the first teacher, I believe, to die at Sunnydale High. Won't be the last by a long shot, but he's the first teacher to die. And this was, no, it's still pretty early in Buffy's time there, but we can safely say that Dr. Gregory was like her favorite teacher. He saw something more in her. And uh, after class was over, uh, she picks up his broken glasses from his attack at the end of the episode. Which is very crazy because like a whole week has went by and no one has cleaned that room. <laughs> like, that sounds about no- right though. I could and not not all of my classes in high school, but there were some teachers that their rooms would have been like that. However, mm-hmm. his if it was a normal high school, which it's not, that room would have been cleared because they would have investigated it to see where he disappeared to. There would have been some some looking into and they would have found found some of his his things. But no, no, this is this is Sunnydale. So, so it's just it's fucked, <laughs> right? Terrible. But there's this really sweet moment where you know she's picking up the glasses. Remember the teacher that she's lost, and she places the glasses, you know, in his coat pocket, and you know, shut his closet door. Now, very sad. It's just like, oh, that's that that that. No, I don't think many more teachers ever has gotten that type of. Uh, I don't want to, well, I guess it's a send-off of some sort. But, um, you know, it was very touching to see that. But in true, you know, horror TV show slash movie fashion, um, the shots taken from the inside of the closing closet door. There's a slow pan and there is a another smaller brood of eggs yeah. in the closet. Uh, and we see one of them hatching. Which? So that's like a cliffhanger. Totally. Even though they never follow up on it. And and they never yeah. really did stuff like this too. Like left these these things in the later seasons. I, not not anything specific that I can think of right now. But now mm-hmm. that I'm watching them, and for some reason too, I said it at the beginning of the episode, but I don't I for whatever reason, this is an episode I did not remember at all. I had no recollection of this one in any way, shape, or form. It was like watching it for the first time for me. So it was kind of neat. But I kind of like that they that they did those things at the end. Like, yeah, we saved the day. Maybe. It's right. <laughs> even even the last one with the witch with with you know Amy's mom being in the in the trophy. There's still mm-hmm. always the potential that somebody could release that evil. So Absolutely. you leave you Absolutely. leave those those open-ended little endings. You you give yourself wiggle room and opportunity to to act on it later if you want to. And if not, like you said, it's true horror form. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It was good. I it liked is. it. It was a good it ending. Is. Right. And going back to what you mentioned a little bit um earlier in, in this episode about the budget constraints. Uh one thing that I think they really uh you can look in retrospect looking back at it, the praying mantis body was very much uh, covered in So, you know, budgeting being what it's been, you know, I don't think they spent a lot of money on the, on the praying mantis monster, but the good use of it always kind of lurking in a shadow of having the big glowing eyes, they definitely, it, it was it was a nice cover up for, for yeah. showing that was much of a budget. It wasn't bad at all. It was, it was the darkness of the basement I mean, we got the extremities at other parts. And like mm-hmm. I said, I had a good chuckle at them. But it was pretty clever use in the basement and and all of those bits rather than 
than having it just come out. And even in the later seasons, <clears throat> I would go so far as to say the final season, there's a few times where they utilize CGI and it's done very poorly. And and I don't mean like poorly because now time has passed, but it was done poorly then. And I thought, yeah. man, why don't why don't you take some notes from your earlier seasons and and you know leave leave a little to the imagination or or show less and and you know imply more. We can all work with it. I mean, that's where the roots of the show started. We're okay with that. But yeah, in in these first these first few years too, there's there's definitely a lot of cleverness in it, knowing full well that it's not necessarily going to look awesome if we have someone in a mantis costume standing out in bright lights. There's not going to be a golem experience there. So so yeah, this was this was definitely a pretty pretty clever usage of it, and and I thought it was it was done pretty damn well, all things considered. It was. And let that be a lesson to all the filmmakers and content creators out there. Practical effects is the way to go. I mean, mm-hmm. CGI is great, but I have to, to slightly get on a uh, a soapbox here. I love the original Lord of the Rings trilogy as opposed to The Hobbit because those effects were practical. Yep. Those orcs and goblins and things, for the most part, were real. And it's crazy that in 2022, the original Hobbit trilogy holds up better. I'm sorry, the the original Lord of the Rings trilogy holds up better than the Hobbit trilogy, which should have been a trilogy, but that's a whole different conversation for a whole different podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, but there is so... The older material looks so much better and holds up so much better because it was practical. I mean, CGI is a great tool to use, but... Sometimes you need the practical effects. I'm thinking again about Stranger Things the last season. Uh, Vecna was completely, you know, practically done. There was a person in the suit and it looked great. Yes. Uh, CGI is, is, is awesome, but come on, guys, let's not get away from practical effects. Not only is it like a dying art that shouldn't, you know, that should be preserved, but it looks better. It does it look better, better. And, and it feels real. It feels tangible. Um, James Cameron, perfect example. And this is my favorite movie of all time. So, you know, I'm not particularly objective about it, but Aliens is a perfect example of practical effects being used appropriately. And, you know, he said mm-hmm. even now they've they've asked him many times, would you would you redo aliens with different effects? Blah, blah blah. He says, No, no matter what happens, I would never change that movie because it still stands on its own. It still looks well, it looks great. And it's because we made it to last. And that's yes. exactly how it was. It's 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 easier to put in the CGI. And like you said about Lord of the Rings, perfect example, and it's the one I use the most often too, because I think it's the best example of it at the time. They had cutting edge technology. Uh, Weta did incredible work with the CGI that they did use. And there's only, I've seen it so many times, it's not healthy, including the extended editions. But even now, it's it's difficult to see where the practical effects and, and the CGI comes in. Because the CGI was used as a supplement. It was not, a, it was not the base that, of which they decided to create all all of the the beautiful landscapes. I mean, most of the, I mean, they they built 
Rohirrim. They built, uh, I mean, I think it was like a 20 foot bloody miniature to do Minas Tirith and Helm's Deep and mm -hmm. all of these things. You could walk in these sets. And in that movie will last as an incredible visual landscape. It's a, it's a great movie on its own. It's one of the best stories ever told. But the reason we will continue to go back to it is because it also looks real. It's tangible. It feels like a place that you can go to. And our imaginations will do a lot. But for me, what CGI does, the second that I recognize it's CGI, it takes me out of the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I would rather have bad uh, monster makeup or... I mean, like like I said, for the most part, watch any of the 90s, you know, science fiction shows. I go back and I watch uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Babylon 5, or even the original Star Trek. And all of that stuff is terrible. It is by today's standards. But I can go back and watch that and it doesn't bother me as much as watching some movie that came out and all it does is use or like... Um, Morbius. I watched like half an hour of that movie and I said, okay, enough of that. But all, all of the, <laughs> the action in it is is terrible CGI. So it's not. Less is more. Less is more. So true. So, so very true. And going so back to Alien, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have it on 4K and it is so beautiful. Like, yes. oh my God. The, the 4K disc of the original Alien is immaculate again physical media is the way to go kids but uh yes it, it, it's beautiful the movie holds up it's i don't have no, i don't have another word outside of beautiful it looks damn good it looks like especially with the just been in 4k it looks beautiful it's immaculate it's it looked like it was made yesterday it's fantastic but another tangent we went off on guys apologize for that a little bit not much, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I think it's gonna happen between the two of us relatively often on this show. <laughs> yeah. Besides, yeah. it's it's relevant. It is relevant. Yes. So, um, other things that stuck out in this episode of Buffy was this is like the I don't want to say the first musical guest because they're not really they weren't a band, but I think this is like one of the first episodes where music was uh intentionally featured like yes okay yes so i it, i had it, that it, in it, my notes too i was like oh i love this song <laughs> i, I actually i think it's it on the is it on this it's super fine i think it's actually on the soundtrack it is it is it is and i looked up super fine did they do anything else like what, have, were they like I, a known group I don't think so. If they were, they were out of my scope at the time. But mm -hmm. I I know the song and it and I and like I said, I think I know the song not because it was played on the radio, which there are a few musical guests over the the years that you will recognize or remember, like Biff Naked eventually is on there. Um, but I recognized the song immediately and I started singing along with it and I couldn't figure out why but I don't think it was because I recognize the artist I think it's because I I own the soundtrack which by the way we were talking about CDs before I still own my original copy of the Buffy soundtrack that I got probably in like 99 so and I play it regularly because it's still awesome but this this I, I'm 99% sure this is this is on it and that's why it's so familiar to me 
Yes, yes. But like they this was the first episode where they actually like kind of focused in on like the lead singer. Like it was like a, a good 15 silvery, minute, shiny oh, 15 shirt. to 20 seconds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like 15 to 20 seconds of music. I'm like, okay, like we're supposed to pay attention to this. Like, okay, this is a fun song. And it, you know, prompted me to go look well, I'm like, all right, this group's super fine. Like, who were they? But you know, this is the first, you know, intentional musical guest in the show. And there will be more because the bronze is Absolutely. very integral for the next several seasons. Yes. I want to. I want to go to the bronze like six year old Mark wants a bronze to go to, but 37 year old Mark is like, eh, no, because eh. we will be, we would be the creeps there, Mark. Right. I'll <laughs> just go to the, the bar. Just... <laughs> I, mean, I know, but it wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> the irony yes. is it's supposed to be a bar type location for non-drinking underagers. And yet there is clearly people of the drinking age and much older that frequent there. It's, yes. it's, and, and it's, it plays on like that for many moons. Eventually too, I think there are, they, there are, there is drinking there. I know there is in the lady, later seasons, but at mm-hmm. some point, yeah. So on top of it, there's, there's booze that's sold there. Bad place for kids. No, but I would have liked to have gone there. Yeah. Good thing. Like, my parents would have never let me. Speaking. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I would have been yes. on punishment. I would have figured out a way to go. My parents would have found out and I would have been grounded again. I spent half my childhood grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I feel you. I feel you. But um, that is it for today's show, guys. Uh, again, Word of Hellmouth is hosted by Heather Baxi Walsh and myself. Heather, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Oh, you can find me at my pen name, H.B. Walsh, on both Instagram and Facebook. If you want to follow my regular Instagram, that's the only social that I'm actually, you know, actually on doing stuff in. But it's mostly fitness stuff. So if you want to, header time 1981. If not, I don't blame you. It's really annoying. I'm like, hi, I ran today. Hi, I did yoga today. And that's literally it. Um, otherwise you can find my book part or the prophecy part one on Amazon and, uh, part two should be out in the next couple months. Awesome. Awesome. And you can find me at elite since 85, everything spelled normally eight, the numbers eight, five at the end on Instagram and Twitter. I use Instagram a lot more than I use Twitter. Uh, but uh, this show is edited and produced by Jason Soto, and we are just one of many, many great shows at Rabbit at Rabbit Hole Podcast uh, dot com. Is that our website? Yeah, that's our website, rabbitholespodcast dot com. <laughs> uh, but you can find episodes um, over there, and you can find us on Anchor, Apple, Google, and anywhere else you find your podcast. Our theme song is uh, "Noise Attack" by Kevin McLeod. And that can be found at incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. And until next time, until next time, guys, grr. Arg. <laughs> <laughs>
copyright 2022 rabbit hole podcasts rabbit hole podcasts.com